welcome to the On the Air podcast, a companion to On the Air magazine, a bi-monthly magazine from ARRL for beginner to intermediate ham radio licensees. I'm your host, Steve Ford, WB8IMY. Every month, the On the Air podcast extends material found in On the Air magazine to help you learn about the many things the ham radio service and hobby have to offer. The On the Air podcast is sponsored by ICOM for the love of ham radio. The new May-June 2022 issue focuses quite a bit on the upcoming ARRL Field Day event in June. But among all the articles, you'll also find an interesting one about the nature of FM, or frequency modulation. FM is something we all take for granted, but it's often misunderstood. Let's take a few minutes to explore this very old but still very useful technology. So how old is FM? Try about 100 years. No kidding. Back in the 1920s, if you wanted to transmit your voice over radio, you had to use amplitude modulation, or AM. You might recall that modulating a signal means that you change it so that it can carry information. In this case, the information is a human voice, music, or any other audio signal. An unmodulated signal carries no information at all, although you can still use it to communicate by switching it on and off, according to a coding scheme. You probably know where I'm going with this, don't you? Well, that's right. We're talking about so-called continuous wave, or CW. That's a signal that's switched on and off at intervals dictated by a coding system known as, and I bet you guessed this too, Morse code. But let's get back to voices. One of the easiest ways to make a signal carry voice information is to modulate it according to the amplitude of the voice signal. This may sound complicated, but it really isn't. The amplitude of a signal is the strength or loudness of a signal. As I'm speaking to you right now, my voice is constantly changing in amplitude every fraction of a second. To exaggerate this change, and just to make a point, the amplitude of my voice can become so weak you can barely hear me, or it can begin booming at much higher amplitude. If you apply these shifts in amplitude to a radio frequency signal, its strength will change at the same rate as my voice. Congratulations, you've just created an amplitude-modulated signal. AM was the king of all voice communications for decades, and it's still heard on the AM broadcast band, in shortwave broadcasts, and even aeronautical communications. Some hams still use it as well, which is why most transceivers designed for the HF frequency bands have AM as one of their many mode selections. If you own an HF transceiver, try listening between 3.82 and 3.89 MHz, and you'll likely hear AM conversations there. When the 10-meter band is open, you can even find AM signals between 29 and 29.2 MHz. One of the problems with receiving AM signals is that a lot of the noise in our environment is also amplitude modulated. If these noise signals are strong enough, they'll make it difficult for you to understand what's being said, 
Take lightning as an example. Yes, lightning creates amplitude-modulated signals, and some of these are awfully loud. You'll often hear lightning in the form of so-called static crashes on the lower frequency bands such as 40, 60, 80, and 160 meters. During the spring and summer months, static crashes can become so severe that AM communication is nearly impossible on 160 and 80 meters in particular. What you just heard are AM signals generated by lightning. The lightning doesn't have to be close. In fact, it can be hundreds of miles away. Engineers in the 1920s began exploring solutions to the noise problem, and it was a big problem for huge numbers of people who relied on AM radio as their primary source of news and entertainment. You've probably seen those pictures of families gathered around the radios in the evenings. Well, there were a lot of families doing that. Researchers quickly discovered an alternative to using amplitude to modulate a signal. Instead, they wondered what would happen if you took the changing amplitude of an audio signal, such as someone's voice, and modulated a transmitted signal by not changing the transmitted signal's amplitude, but by changing its frequency instead. The amplitude of such a signal would never change, but its frequency would be changing all the time. If I began changing the frequency of my voice, it might sound something like this, but notice that the loudness of my voice remains the same. At the receiving end, the radio is designed to detect only the changes in the frequency of a signal, not its amplitude. So if noise is amplitude modulated, and we know it is, what happens? Well, you don't hear it. The first FM signals were rather narrow, and narrow FM signals can't shift back and forth very much, and this translates into limited fidelity. It's good enough for voice communication, such as we use in ham radio, but not for music. Catch that, but just FYI at the moment, uh, there is no sign there. Thank you very much. Then along came Edwin Armstrong, and he discovered that if you allowed an FM signal to shift its frequency considerably, in other words, making it much wider, it was capable of carrying high-fidelity audio. Suddenly, you could transmit music and listen to all the richness it had to offer. The result? Well, that was FM broadcasting, which Armstrong pioneered in the 1930s. After World War II, FM broadcasting became increasingly popular until it became the most popular form of radio broadcasting even today. Since we've been talking about broadcasting, I should clarify a point that might be confusing. Many people believe that AM broadcasting takes place on lower frequencies, such as the AM broadcast band here in the United States, because there's something about AM that only works at low frequencies. And conversely, there's something about FM that supposedly only works at much higher frequencies. But this isn't true. Technically speaking, there's nothing that would prevent you from transmitting an FM signal in the AM broadcast band. 
There's also nothing to prevent you from sending an AM signal in the FM broadcast band. Notice, however, that I said, technically speaking. The problem here is regulatory. The Federal Communications Commission established the AM broadcast band many years ago and eventually set aside about 1.6 megahertz of spectrum for all the stations to use. Since an AM broadcast signal is typically less than 10 kilohertz wide, you can fit a lot of signals into that space. Remember what I said about FM broadcast signals, though, and how, thanks to their width, they can carry high-fidelity audio? Well, those signals are much wider than AM signals. So wide that only about a dozen FM broadcast signals could fit within the AM broadcast band. The actual number depends on the information the FM signal might be sending in addition to its primary audio content, but let's not go there. So, the bottom line is that there's nothing magical about AM or FM that relegates their signals to certain frequencies. It's just a matter of how much room governments choose to make available at given frequencies. Another common misconception is that a radio signal can only be modulated with music or voice. This also is not true. Any audio signal, no matter what it is or what it sounds like, can be used to amplitude or frequency modulate a signal. As you'll see in the article, it's possible to take an audio signal, say someone's voice, turn that audio signal into digital information, process it in various ways, and then transform that information into an audio signal. If you were to hear this new audio signal, it wouldn't sound like a human voice at all, but we could use it to amplitude or frequency modulate a radio frequency signal and then send it over the airwaves. At the receiver, that strange-sounding audio would be converted back into digital information, processed once again, and then finally converted to analog audio that you'd hear in a loudspeaker or maybe headphones. The result would be a human voice, but one completely free of any noise or interference. And since we're sending this digital voice data, we can send some other information along with it, such as the call sign of the transmitting station and perhaps even that station's location. This is how we do so-called digital communication. There are FM broadcast stations that use this technology, and many hams use it as well. Have you ever heard of D-Star? That's a type of digital amateur radio communication in which an FM signal is modulated with digital information. But if you tuned into a D-Star signal with an ordinary FM receiver, this is what you'd hear. But once a D-Star transceiver processes and decodes that information in the signal, it sounds like this. WA2 IVD, this is N0AZ, calling with uh, my ID set to, uh, to your call sign. Yesu System Fusion uses a digital signal format known as C4FM to modulate an FM signal. And in its raw form, it sounds like this. And what about digital mobile radio, or DMR? If you tune past a DMR signal with an ordinary receiver, you'll hear this. There are many other forms of digital communications being used today. 
But these are the three most popular in amateur radio. I hope you've enjoyed this episode, which took a deeper dive into material from the May-June 2022 issue of On the Air magazine. Listen next month, and we'll have more to explore from this issue. In the meantime, feel free to send comments about On the Air to ota at arrl.org. Read our blog at arrl.org forward slash ota hyphen blog or learn more about ARRL membership at arrl.org. Until next time, I'm Steve Ford, WB8IMY, 73.